Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the next episode in Keep Canada Weird. If you're new here, this is an ongoing nighttime series in which my pal Aaron and I seek out and explore some of the more interesting Canadian news stories of the past week. If you're enjoying this series, you may be interested in joining us for our recordings. We broadcast them live on the Nighttime Podcast YouTube channel every Tuesday night at 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, getting into tonight's episode we got a good mix of stories to share with you. We have a stolen fire truck in Toronto. We make a quick visit to the Ram Ranch. We learn about a frostquake in Nova Scotia. We catch up with the self-declared Queen of Canada. And we end by learning about Alexandria Massey's huge centipede. So let's get into it. Aaron, feels like a weird night. No, does it? You got that vibe? Are you feeling it? <laughs> no, no. I if it, if you, if it's always weird, then normal becomes weird. Okay. Well, I'll tell you. Well, you know what happened? We were we're a couple minutes late starting because when I was coming to um, what I call the studio, but everyone else calls the spare room in my house. Uh, I would call it your dungeon. When I was coming to the studio here. Um, I folded my laptop, put my mouse in my pocket, and somehow, with the like the miracle of I guess chance and coincidence, my mouse uh, accidentally clicked the button that would start a live stream. Uh, so I live streamed on YouTube from my pocket for about two minutes, which completely derailed my setup. Um, and that was a little that was a weird thing. It's kind of like a, a really complicated version of like a butt dial. Yeah, I watched that live stream because I went into the YouTube channel to kind of just get it up in the background so that, you know, I could see the live stream while we record. And I just saw the darkness of your pocket. And <laughs> it was nice to be inside your pocket for even just a few minutes. Yeah, that was all the time you're going to get in there. Um, I'm thankful yeah. for every second. Okay, well, here we are. Um, it's been a week since we last broke down the country's weirdest uh, stories, events, people. Uh, what's been going on with you uh, over the last seven days? You know, every you... time you ask me this, I wish I could say something different each time. You I need really to can't. Put something, in, put something in your calendar on, like, you know, for Sunday just to leave the house for a bit, just yeah. for this segment of the show. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go get hit by a car just so I can tell Jordan <laughs> something interesting. Like, yeah, uh, I, 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 I found myself in a farm and I got run over by a tractor. Okay, well, I think um, that's kind of topical given what's going on in the country. So I would say that's almost a controversial statement if you had made that. Oh, okay, I take that back. Uh, it wasn't a tractor. <laughs> it was just a normal bus. Okay, yeah, I think mm. that's safe. Um I, I don't know what I got going on. I'll, uh, I guess the most memorable thing of the last few days that's kind of relevant to what we're talking about here is uh, so this past Saturday in Halifax, we had our own version of the uh, convoy and the freedom protests and stuff, which I think every kind of city is um, doing their own version or whatever. But anyway, the Halifax one was happening 
and I couldn't resist like just seeing what was going to go on. So I went down by there just to kind of be a fly on the wall. And uh, I was very turned off by every aspect of it. But luckily there was um, uh, an art gallery that was open to the public, connected to the NASCAD University, which is the Nova Scotia College of Art and Design. And I had my kids with me. And as we walked by the art gallery, there was this exhibit set up for um, an artist at NASCAD, I think like a third year student named Alexandria Massey. And she works with... uh, I don't know, you would call it textiles, but it's like knitting things. And she had on display, a th- I think it was a 13 meter long centipede made out of like knitted yarn. And it was completely crazy. Uh, so I took my kids inside and saw it. And that was pretty neat. That was probably like the weird highlight of my um, my weekend. And in fact, I, w- I will talk about it a bit l- more later, but I did do like a short interview with the artist. And at the end of this episode, I'm going to share it. I'll play it. Oh, but cool. um, but another cool thing, this is just going to be a little weird story. But um, when I first moved to Halifax in, say, around 2000, 2001, 2002-ish, it was right as like the rave scene was ending. You know, like what raves are, like the song Sandstorm. Yeah, I know what a rave is. Yeah. Okay, so the rave scene was just ending, and in Halifax, it was kind of a big thing. But there was this, um, there was this one person who, even well after the rave scene died down and was done, you would see it's a female. You would see her around Halifax with headphones on, just like dancing on the, you know, near the street or whatever, and she. her clothes were kind of like rave clothes but it looks like she's been wearing the same like kind of rave outfit which are like big baggy pants and like weird stuff it looks like she'd been wearing it for like years and i've referred to her as the washed up raver because it kind of looked like if the rave scene went out to sea and a few years later she washed up on shore so i saw her a few times in the early 2000s and i'd make note of her like oh wow there's the washed up raver it's just like alone dancing whatever and then i would see her you know three years later and the rave scene is even further in the past but she'd still be dancing and the clothes were looking older i hadn't seen her in probably seven years but who was standing outside of the art gallery the actual the reason i went near the art gallery is because she was there like a now like a 40 something year old wearing like kind of raver clothes she had headphones on and she was like way off in the corner just doing like oh you know like rave dances they would dance with their yeah hands. it's like this liquid kind of ball thing that kind of that kind of thing she was just doing that um in this like kind of a part of town where no one is and i kind of went over near there and saw the art gallery so anyway that's um were her That's clothes everything. the the exact same ones? Do you think, or was she wearing different rave? No, clothes? different rave clothes every time I've seen her. It seems, but oh, what? Oh wow! Uh, okay. But it's almost like she bought a bunch of clothes in like kind of like the late '90s when raving was like a thing. I guess it would have been the late. Well, 90s. raving still is a thing. People still but not, rave, and... but not like a, the type I'm talking about is like big pants and like uh, a soother in your mouth and like weird like sparkly kind of jewelry yeah, and stuff. Yeah, I know, but that still happens. Really? I didn't I had no idea. Oh, it does. Yes. Okay. Uh if I see one I don't think I'll... it's it it's at the peak that it was, you know. But there's still but... that festival kind of uh 
lifestyle that still exists of um you know people who who go to music festivals that are kind of you know you call it rave music or house music or whatever you would call it dance music yeah. and and that's what they do and they just dance on you know ecstasy and molly for days oh. on it i guess i'm out of touch because I, ha- I had no idea that that was still happening uh, maybe no she's it still... still happens yeah it's still quite popular um, I assume this one person was keeping it alive, but uh, no. yeah, maybe there's others. So that's I'm glad to hear that they're still doing dancing. Mm-hmm. Dancing is still <laughs> it, it. Some towns tried to cancel it, but and, and get like the town of Footloose tried, but um, too sexual. Yeah, it is, um, and that's why I never have dancing on this show, and I'll never have a dancer on this show. Well, we kind of danced a little bit doing our little rave balls there. That's true. <laughs> so, uh, That's true. Yeah. So you'll That's, have to censor that. In the, I'll edit that know. part out mm-hmm. for the podcast mm-hmm. version. Well, let's get into it here. We're we're here not to talk about raving or dancing. We are here to highlight, uh, explore, and in some cases celebrate Canada's uh, offbeat news stories. And this week we got we got a few piled up. Um, we're going to get controversial because right now you can't talk about current events in Canada without getting into uh, freedom, convoy, Trudeau, vaccine, all these sorts of hot topics. Yeah. Um, but there's some there's two stories that I have from that world. Um, one of them is is highly sexual. The other one <laughs> is, um, yeah. is yeah. It, it is statements from the royal family, we'll say. Uh, we have the story of a stolen fire truck, which is going to be the first episode in a new segment called Crime in Canada uh, that will debut tonight. And the fourth story is, I, I'll call it a um, almost like a, a scientific, natural science oddity uh, that affects all of us in the cold north. Where do you think we should start with this stuff? Why don't we start with the fire truck? Okay, this is going to be the launch of our new segment on the show, which is called Crime in Canada. So let's uh, let's get into it. This week in Crime in Canada. All right, Crime in Canada. We had to pick out the most unique crime. Um, unique because it's a complete mystery to me having read and researched what happened here i still have no idea what was going on <laughs> as you can see fire station 227 here at queen and woodbine needs a new bay door why it's because it's actually right here what happened was around 4:45 this morning it's alleged a woman somehow managed to get inside the fire station then she got inside a fire truck and drove off, smashing right through that bay door, ended up here. A police eventually caught up with the stolen fire truck down in the Portlands area, about six kilometers away, where after a slow speed pursuit, they managed to stop the stolen fire truck and arrest the driver inside. She's now facing charges. The whole matter is under investigation, including how the woman even managed to get inside this fire station this morning. So in the kind of the Coles notes of it is she breaks into the fire station. They don't say whether or not the keys were in there, but somehow she gets the fire truck to start. She drives it through the door, breaks the door, leaves the fire station at 445 in the morning. 
and manages to get, I think I read like about 10 kilometers away before she was stopped and arrested. And I haven't been able to find out exactly how they stopped her, if they just put on the lights and she pulled her fire truck over. But one kind of hint in the, in that article or in, in that, that news piece is it, it mentioned that one of the charges she's facing is failure to, to uh, abide by like a probation order. So... Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what that means other than well, she has some kind of Well, it sounds like she was on probation for something else and was breaking that probation by... Stealing a fire truck? Maybe it's not her first fire truck. <laughs> well, that's kind of what I was thinking. But I guess when you're on probation, um, oftentimes one of the conditions is that you won't commit a crime. So maybe like for yeah, all we know, if you're she... already on probation, then that's going to add another kind of offense to the long list of offenses that you are currently making in the moment. Yeah. And any any criminal activity will be a breach of, you know, that section mm. or that that piece. But other than just like simple mischief, what like what could be the purpose in doing this? Well, there's a lot untold in this Mm -hmm. story. We haven't heard from the woman, you know, Mm -hmm. in terms of what is, I assume uh, there's probably something to do with uh, freedom, maybe. Well, actually, I thought (laughs) that as well. I'm going to take a fire truck. That's that's what I'm going to bring. I actually read a few articles because I was trying to get to the bottom of this and one of the articles ended by saying, um, and I don't know where they got this quote. It must have been a press release by the Toronto police. Uh, the, it, it ended with um, Toronto police say that the theft was not involved with any convoy or protest. So they don't believe it's yeah, connected that to that. Know of. It, it's probably some lone person that was like, I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go to Ottawa and I'm going to bring a fire truck and, and I'm going to hose Trudeau down. Because mm, he's just too hot. <laughs> uh, there's a, a a woman in Halifax. She has a Twitter account. She's actually a journalist, but her Twitter account is uh, very tongue-in-cheek on everything she reports. And she has this thread, like a thread of tweets, that's been running for years. And every time Trudeau does like any kind of press conference, she takes little snippets of the por- portion of the video where he fixes his hair. And so she has a collection of all these different moments that are kind of important Canadian moments. But in the middle of it, he will fix his hair. So, of course, she has one uh, that was called like the tweet was like Emergency Measures Act hair correction. And he's like announcing the Emergency Measures Act runs his hand through his hair. Mm. But anyway, I went through them. But yeah, that that could be it. It's um, I think 445 in the morning she has if she was charged with something to do with not abiding by probation conditions it's someone who has kind of a dodgy background or at least has been in trouble before i think if you're on probation in your downtown toronto at 4 45 in the morning chances are you're not up to any good regardless maybe I, I, we're not giving her the benefit of the doubt here and and maybe there was a fire that had to be put out <laughs> she's like it's just going to be this. faster if I break in and gra- and do it myself. Yeah. And she didn't have a phone on her to call 911. No, no. Like, I, gotta... I don't have a phone. I'm the only person who sees the fire. I don't know the how to get the bay door The only thing I can do open. is just go and grab a truck and put it out myself. And, <laughs> you know. It could be a little bit of that. But, yeah, maybe she just jumped to 
a, a, a kind of a conclusion slash resolution. And now she's on this show and in the news. And it's when a, when something like this happens, it's um, it, everybody covers it because it's so interesting. When I I tried to again, I tried to research it. I read everything that's out about this. It nowhere gave an explanation of what happened. Every article or piece had a little different information. Some included her name, some didn't. Uh, I didn't use her name because I wasn't able to um, find like a Facebook account or anything that matched it. I did find someone who has an account um, in Toronto that is an artist that has that same name, but I don't know if it's the same person. So we'll just say a 28-year-old woman and... Um, when a court date is set and she appears in court, I'm sure the story. Yeah, will come I really want to hear her side of it. And I'm sure there's, you know, a lot of details to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but but guess... there's also the other side of this, too. The keys were left in the truck. Well, if not, would they not just be like tacked up on the wall or something at a fire station? Well, this leads need... to a bigger issue of of like a systemic maybe kind of the yeah maybe the the fire departments need to ensure that the keys to the vehicles are are safely locked away. I just imagine that there's somebody who left the who worked at the fire department that day, and you do you ever leave work or like leave your house and like mostly like you leave work and then you're lying in bed that night and then you wake up like in the middle of the night you're like oh my god i forgot to turn the thing off yeah all right oh i forgot to close the window oh god and then you're like oh i'll be fine it'll be fine did i or like did i lock the door to, to my house yeah like, I, yeah mm -hmm. so somebody woke up in the middle of the night that night and was like oh my god i left the keys in the tr in the fire truck oh, it'll be fine and then and then they and then they wake up in the morning and they see an article of a fire truck stolen. They're like, "Oh God, yeah, how she's not gonna hotwire a fire truck, yeah, and if and if the keys are just hanging on the wall next to it, that just seems absurd to me. But you know, I don't work in a fire department, so maybe there's a reason that the keys are need to be quickly available and and there's not enough time there shouldn't, you know, be even the second that it takes to unlock a cabinet or to unlock a drawer. Mm. But there must be um, another way. Like my phone, for example, like this, um, this person wouldn't be able to unlock my phone and use it. Like, could they not have like some kind of system for it? Fire? Like fire trucks cost so much money. Could there not be like a better system that is safe and whatever? I don't know. Well, in the way that we kind of, uh, you know, dived into the mystery of Timbits and how donuts are made. Maybe we need to reach out to the, you know, internet community and uh, basically get them to figure out where keys are kept for fire trucks. Um, is it disrespectful to like call a fire station and just ask them? I don't know if we should be. Oh yeah, I don't know what the. Okay, I'm not going to risk it. Hello, emergency! <laughs> <laughs> no fire! No fire! Yeah, I'm. I'm not going to call one. But if That's... anybody knows anybody who worked in a fire department, um, yeah. or a volunteer, like where, like, what's the pro? What would be normal procedure for that? That's that should be yeah, a simple. Yeah, are voice the keys memo. usually left out for anyone to grab at any time, or were they kept away somewhere safe in secret? Mm-hmm. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, that'd be 
that'd be a good voice memo for someone to send in. Well, like a fire person or a volunteer fire person. I'm sure it's pretty similar from station to station. There must be a procedure for that. But anyway, let's uh, let's move away from this. But we will come back to it um, after the trial. If we get enough views and the advertisers support us, perhaps we could both get to Toronto and attend the trial and do like live reporting from it. And we could make this a yeah. good thing. Mm-hmm. I would be I would be down with that. I but, would love to do that. Even if there is no trial, why don't we just go to Toronto, you and I? We got a hotel room and we'll have a nice meal. <laughs> One thing we forgot to do is generally at the beginning, we start with updates. There was one update that you found and this is out of PEI. We, when we first started this series, we had, um, we did two episodes, uh, or, or our first two episodes, we did segments on um, racism in hockey PEI. We had the story um, of a player who made an Asian slur or an anti-Asian slur against an Asian player. The teammate of the Asian player defended him. They got suspended. And the guy who did the defending made negative statements about hockey PEI on Facebook and got permanently banned forever from the league until CBC covered it and then they let him back in. Um, hockey PEI is in the news again for racism. Uh, and you found this story. Yeah, yeah. I saw a tweet um well i saw a tweet on instagram which is the only place i see tweets when someone just shares like a screen, oh a screenshot of a, a tweet on instagram of a tweet and i'm like <laughs> oh that's a tweet Ooh, how exciting um so yeah halifax noise sports uh shared a tweet on instagram from uh kayla hounsel no, I'm not sure who that is. That's right. She's, she's a past guest at nighttime. She wrote. Uh, she's oh, I'm a friend. sorry, I didn't. I uh, wasn't up to date on that. I'm she's sorry. been on four times. She uh, she's a CBC national reporter who also um, wrote the a book about uh, the William Sanderson murder. Who that was the Dal Med School student who killed Taylor or is alleged to have murdered Taylor Sampson in a drug deal gone wrong. She was on the show mm. uh, when that book was released. But go okay. on. Okay. So she tweeted, uh, she had a good just in, you know, kind of breaking news style tweet. Five hockey players who hurled racial slurs at Halifax goalie Mark Connors in a tournament on PEI this past fall have been suspended 25 games each. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I'm sure there's, uh, these guys are paying like a bit of their or, or are receiving a bit of the reaction uh that uh hockey pei has because of um how poorly they handled the last incident which was the anti-asian remark although this one i read a little bit about this case and it's a bit different where the one we talked about prior in a, involved an on ice incident where one player made an anti-asian remark to another player uh this i read a little bit about it in this revolves around um a a player from halifax mark connors i believe was you said his name yeah mark connors he's a black goalie from nova scotia and here's just a little bit i just found a cbc article that did kayla write it no julie clo wrote it um as i read into it 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 gave a bit of a it gave a bit more of um a troubling kind of look it involved things being said to him the n-word being said to him on ice by several players but it continued off ice as well as in a hotel they i think all the players were like in a hotel and it sounds like it was 
like a case of like racism, bullying, harassment, all kind of boiled into one. And when I read the article, I'm thinking, I'm still thinking like 25 games for that. Like these people, like they should, if anyone should be permanently banned, it's not the yeah, guy who why, wrote the stuff on Facebook. What why do you this? have to do to get permanently banned from hockey and PEI? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I don't get it. And just like, yeah, I just, you know, I, I, I severed a man's head with my, you know, ice case and uh, two game suspension. Um, well, let's move on to something else. Uh, let's, since we just got through something dark and twisted and from the seedy underbelly of Toronto's criminal underworld, uh, let's go to something a bit more scientific. Why don't we do that? Yeah, let's get into weird science. Uh, I enjoy nature. I enjoy science. And I like kind of oddities. As someone who, like I'm into, you know, like UFOs and paranormal stories. And oftentimes those kind of stories have natural explanations, but just kind of like a really rare and unique explanation that the average person wouldn't know. And an example is there's a phenomenon called um, ball lightning. And it's and it can manifest it's a very rare type of lightning that can manifest itself not so much as like a bolt coming down but almost just like a ball that will appear and disappear and make a huge loud bang and there's been uh situations where people have seen this type of ball lightning and mixed it up with other things but it's a natural thing just a natural phenomenon but really rare um the story we're going to hear tonight is also a, is a type of phenomenon that I've heard of and I believe I've experienced it once, but I don't think a lot of people know about it. So what we're going to be talking about is uh, what's referred to as a frost quake. And there was a situation in Nova Scotia recently where a frost quake was so severe that it led to a CBC News story. So this is an article from February 10th with the headline, It sounded like a bowling ball crashing into his roof. But the noise came from below the ground. Every once in a while, it sounds like Santa Claus is making a hard landing on Claude Chesson's roof in Coal Harbor, Nova Scotia. The first time he heard the noise, Chesson thought something had exploded and it smashed into his roof. I would describe the sound as like a large object falling on our roof. It sounded like a bowling ball being dropped, he told CBC Radio's Main Street on Wednesday. The first few times it happened, he slipped into his backyard to see if there was indeed a bowling ball dented into his roof, but he couldn't find any damage. So he went inside and went back to sleep. But then he'd hear the explosion again. And as it turns out, this sound came from underground. He started paying attention to the conditions when it was happening and noted that it had that it had usually just rained and then gotten very cold. He did some online detective work and discovered the phenomenon frostquakes. It's loud enough when it occurs that you'll remember it, he said. David Phillips, a senior climatologist with Environment and Climate Change Canada, said Chesson likely was correct in finding the culprit. He said conditions have to be just right to set off a frostquake. The ground has to be full of water, just brimming with water, he said. And then you have to have a rapid freeze, and there's no room for those molecules of water to go. Halifax has had an extremely rainy winter and all that water poured into the earth and with temperatures plunging from minus 10 or plunging to minus 10 to from 7 degrees that water freezes quickly. The water expands as it becomes ice and when it fills up the empty spaces it starts pushing on the earth around it. It doesn't have any place to go in the rocks that have water and the rocks that have water that has now frozen they break they smash and they make a thumping sound 
a loud booming sound. Uh, the climatologist says frost quakes happen more often than people notice. And if it comes from deep under the snow, it'll be a muffled dull sound. And if it happens during the day, people likely won't even hear it amid, amid the uh, background noise. And wind can blow the sound away too. But on a cold, quiet night, the frost quakes, they really boom. <laughs> they really boom. I think that's I think that's fascinating. And I found a photo online of, um, I was kind of reading a bit about frost quakes. And I found some situations where the frost quake was so severe that it actually like fractured people's lawns. There was one photo I found where someone took a picture of their backyard and it has like just right across the yard a big, uh, I don't know, like a crack. It just looks like if you just cracked a big piece of ice, but it, it kind of makes sense. And when you talk, when that article mentioned um, like uh, the temperature going from say like seven or eight degrees and quickly dropping and everything freezing, like that, that happens with our weather a lot. We'll have rain. It'll be, you know, like six seven degrees and then as the sun sets the wind picks up it can quickly go to like minus 14 and stuff so that'll that'll freeze quick and you know as water freezes it expands and when it has no no place to expand you get a frost quake do you think you've ever heard one yeah i think i did actually recently when we had some quick freezing because i was laying on the couch and then there was just this loud bang that i heard it sounded like it was coming from upstairs kind of on the side of the house kind of thing mm -hmm. and um, then i went and looked around everywhere i couldn't find any source of the sound and then when i read this article i was like that sounds like it probably was what i heard mm -hmm. uh, a few weeks ago yeah and i've also um i've dealt with um or spoke to someone who had damage to their house their foundation had cracked like the concrete foundation under their house and uh, the explanation they were given by a contractor, because it happened very suddenly. They were getting like a bunch of water leaks in their basement or whatever. And when they investigated, there was a massive crack there. But since they had never had water damage before, it's like, why now? And they had a contractor who helped uh, figure out what had happened. And they believed that they had a frost quake. Um, I, I guess like the water drainage outside of their house wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. And a lot of water was ending up be, like right against their house and kind of seeping down. And they think that there was a frost quake that may have cracked their foundation. So it can be, wow. if it happens close enough to your house, it, it can create, you know, physical damage to your building. So it's, mm -hmm. I guess, much like any, like any kind of protecting of property, you need to make sure the water doesn't you know that you don't have too much water near your house and that's why like downspouts and stuff are important like to get the water off your roof and get it running away from your house i'm a, I'm a nut about that if if you come to my house when it's like heavy rain i i'll go i could take you outside with my umbrella and i could show you like this the most complicated amateur engineering job and i where every bit of water is going in these other these different directions um, yeah. i spent years digging ditches around my property wow yeah i'm not kidding no, I believe you. It's, you know, <laughs> you speak with great conviction and I truly believe you. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, a frost quake's a cool thing. And you hear... It's really uh, cool. Yeah, I mean, any, any kind of, you know, it's funny because like water can just be so powerful in all of its forms, oh. water and ice, you know, like this oh, it's, it's capable of. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a cool thing. But I often think um, like with this story, what I've thought of is, 
so many different paranormal kind of stories that I've gotten involved in that in that included loud unexplained bangs. There was one I did in Belle Island, Newfoundland. They call it the Belle Island boom, uh, which frostquakes certainly weren't the explanation, but ball lightning would have been. And it involved a small island in Newfoundland in the 70s. Randomly, there was just these huge, loud explosions coming from the sky, and no one could figure out what it was. They actually thought it was um, the like a supersonic jet, the Concorde jet had just recently been invented or been put into use. So when it breaks like kind of the speed of sound, it will make like a sonic boom. And they thought that maybe it was uh, the booms they were hearing on Bell Island had to do with this, the Concorde jet traveling over the Atlantic. They couldn't figure out what happened. And then just one day, the biggest boom of all happened and it caused all this damage all across bell island like a bunch of power lines were melted because so much electricity went through the power lines some homes had to be completely rewired um someone's front lawn had like a crater in it and they don't know why but anyway it's uh and there's a there's a there's a ghost story um uh they call it the great amherst mystery which is the story of esther cox uh from amherst nova scotia in Although that story takes the shape eventually of weird fires coming in her house, it starts with just loud, unexplained bangs coming from the roof of the house that sounded like someone was on the roof with a sledgehammer. So maybe right, they're frostbites. Right. Um, yeah, well, it could be, you know, you could probably take this phenomenon and go back through all of the uh, kind of recorded paranormal and be instances like, and kind of maybe connect the dots uh, it's all frostquakes you nuts yeah there's no such <laughs> thing as ghosts it's just frostquakes go back to bed kid <laughs> yeah idiot <laughs> <laughs> um let's uh let's get into something a little different what is the dirtiest most graphic song you've heard in the last day yeah in the last half hour yeah <laughs> yeah um the dirtiest it, song that i've heard is in, is um let me see it is ram ranch <laughs> grant mcdonald is a we'll call him a Canadian musician, songwriter, who very much seems to have taken inspiration from our friend Tanetta. And he Yeah, his, I, I thought of only Tanetta when I was listening to that song. Yeah, so we talk about Tanetta a lot on the show. I'm a big fan. Tanetta's a older man from Toronto who writes uh, very graphic sexual songs. Uh, Grant McDonald is almost like a new version, I guess, of Tanetta. And he has a whole bunch of songs that are either called like Ram Ranch or Ram Ranch Part 7 or Ram Ranch Revisited. But the one song that he's now I think will ever be known for is just simply called Ram Ranch. I'm not going to play the song because I don't want to have copyright problems. But the Man, song. There's other problems that would also probably. Yeah, people would maybe not everyone. It's not a, yeah, it's not everyone's style. Let, let me give you kind of the. The idea of what you hear in Ram Ranch is it's like guitar driven. Think like a corny 80s heavy metal with someone there. He's hardly singing. He's almost just kind of talking and he's describing what I would 
what seems to be like an or um, a um, a gay um, orgy at like a ranch. So it's mostly about a large group of like cowboys. Naked. See, I interpreted it as, as not a literal literal ranch. I interpreted it as a bathhouse called the ranch. Ah, oh, it could be. Well, why are they? Why is he saying these cowboys? Okay, I'm going to read because they're of... cowboys in spirit and probably dressed up as cowboys at the bathhouse. If there's any kids listening, turn it off. If you're watching this with your kids, just plug their ears for a sec. I just want to read the first chorus or the first verse. So okay. lyrics, and, and then people are probably like, why are we talking about Ram Ranch? You'll hear how this plays into world events shortly. Mm. So <laughs> the first verse is 18 naked cowboys in the showers at Ram Ranch. Big, hard. Th- Actually, I'm not going to read it. <laughs> <laughs> 18 naked cowboys in the showers at Ram Ranch. Big, hard, throbbing wanted to be sucked 18 naked cowboys wanted to be cowboys in the showers at ram ranch on their knees wanting to suck cowboy ram ranch really rocks let's move on yeah so (laughs) why are we talking about this this incredibly graphic song that doesn't really have much artistic merit like tanetta has great songs and songwriting and musicianship and is like I consider Tanetta a gifted musician. Um, Grant McDonald, I consider um, he's in a kind of a different he's more of I think more graphic and has more shock value. But anyway, um, the song Ram Ranch is now well known because it's used by a group that have now referred to themselves as the Ram Ranch Resistance. And this is a group of people who are, I guess you would say, counter-protesters to the people who are involved in the, the freedom convoys that are in the news. And if, if you're listening to a show called Keep Canada Weird, you must know what the freedom convoys are all about. But the Ram Ranch Resistance are using this song as a tool to um disrupt any kind of freedom convoy related things that are happening for example the freedom convoy uh, organizers have kind of um encrypted chats where they can talk and plan and whatnot and organize what they're doing the ram ranch resistance will get in there and just blast this song so while they're trying to play it or while they're trying to plan, you know, how are we going to get gas to these trucks and where are we going to park our trucks yeah. to disrupt the blockade block, you know, the border or whatever. They have to do that as Grant McDonald screams about what I, <laughs> what to me is a, uh, a gay orgy at an actual, like a, at a literal ranch, you believe it to be a figurative. ranch. Uh, uh, yeah, a it's, a, it's a, it's a metaphorical ranch. It's a, it's, it's a bathhouse called the ranch. I think. Yeah. <laughs> But it's um, the, the reason I think this is notable is not to take sides in any kind of uh, civil discourse or whatever that's going on. I think uh, the idea of like protesting and counter protesting and all that, if, if you can find like a creative but effective way to do it, that's, that's exciting. And I think the choosing this song uh, against people who would support the Freedom Convoys, it's like you know it's going to be their kryptonite 
You know what I mean? Like, I, I think if you took all the people who are involved in the Freedom Convoy, you would have a hard time finding some of them that are willing to listen to this song. So it's it's just a, a really like effective and a kind of slap in the face way to counter protest. And it's funny and quirky. And the song is so out there that you can it when it plays you can't think about anything else you just got to be like oh like this song is crazy no, no. it's it's the audio version of just like a, a super bright strobe light in a siren going off like it, you just freeze like uh so uh mm. yeah there's been a few articles that i'm not going to read any of them but the rolling stone did um a big piece on it um Actually, I'm going to read a little bit of a, a local article. This is one from, I think the, they're out of Ontario. They're Saloon or Salon is the name of them. Uh, mm. Just to give a, a bit of background. So I'm going to read a bit of this and we'll talk it out. The headline is Ottawa residents troll anti-vax truckers by blasting song about gay cowboys. That is an amazing headline. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's eye-catching. <laughs> yeah. All right. So here we go. In Ottawa. Canada's capital city, a convoy of anti-vaccine truckers have been protesting against the Canadian government's COVID-19 vaccine requirements for truckers re-entering Canada from the United States, and many Ottawa residents have grown impatient with the traffic jams and gridlock that's been created. Some of those auto residents, according to LGBTQ Nation's Bill Browning, have responded by using an explicit heavy metal song about, about gay cowboys having sex to overpower the group's communications and broadcast it to anyone listening. The song Ram Ranch, a tw the song is Ram Ranch, a 2012 recording by Canadian rocker Grant McDonald. Ram Ranch is being blasted over seven, several Zillow channels dedicated to the convoy. And I don't know what Zillow is. It's like an online kind of thing that they're using. Almost like, a, um, yeah, like a communication tool of some kind. But like a, but you can use voice. So it's not just. Yeah, text. I think it's like a, almost like a kind of walkie talkie kind of situation. Mm -hmm. So now we're getting back into it. So the right wing activists would frequently start to sing songs like the Canadian National Anthem. And it gave the folks behind the Ram Ranch resistance the idea of turning patriotic into pornographic. Over and over, the activists interrupted the various channels to broadcast the 2012 tune that starts with 18 naked cowboys in the shower at Ram Ranch. And then signs started popping up all over town telling the truckers, welcome to Ram Ranch. Uh, McDonald was glad to know his song was being used by the Ram Ranch resistance. The singer told the Rolling Stone, I'm just elated, totally, totally elated that my song could be used to stand up for science. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah anyway it's um it's a hell of a song i would say yeah, uh, um, there, it's a song about it's a song about getting poked to uh that's being used against people who are anti getting poked 
by needles. Ah, I never thought of that. Yeah, there's mm. layers to that. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm really connecting the dots here. <laughs> uh, since we're on the topic of the pandemic and COVID and all this stuff, um, I want to get into another kind of COVID convoy related story. This one is a bit more serious than uh, Grant McDonald's song, Ram Ranch. This gets back to something I've covered on the show before outside of this series, but also we talked about it last week. Um, last week, we briefly talked about the, the self-declared uh, Queen of Canada, Ramona Digula, which is the woman from um, Victoria, B.C., who believes firmly that she is the commander-in-chief, the Queen of Canada, and she has a legion of supporters around the country and around the world who firmly believe that she is in charge of, of this country. Um, when we talked in the last episode, I had shared that she made one of her first public appearances in that she showed up in Ottawa at the at the freedom protests and made a, a little bit of a scene where she lit a, a Canadian flag on fire uh, among her supporters. Um, now that she's like out in public, she's been there's she's been communicating in a different way than she had in the past. In the past, it was typically her sitting alone in like her apartment with no production, just kind of like the webcam of her camera filming her uh, giving orders to the country. It seems like whatever has happened with over the last few weeks, she's ramped up her production and she's producing way more videos. And it's with someone like that. It's gotten interesting. So I'm going to play a couple videos as we go and give everyone an update on what's happened with Ramona, the self-declared queen of Canada. People call her the QAnon queen, Ramona Digula. Um, so the first thing is when she when she got to the to Ottawa from Victoria, her and a group of her supporters arrived in RVs, like kind of like motorhome things. I never really thought about how they got the RVs or who owned them or whatever. But it turns out that these were rented RVs. They rented from a company called Canada Dream. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that company before. Like the, uh, an RV will drive by and down the side it'll say like Canada Dream. You know, rent me for a week for this much a day or something. So it's like a rental RVs. Um, it turns out that Ramona Digula and her supporters, they wanted to extend the rental of their RVs, but the company refused to to do that. I don't know why. Maybe it was booked by someone else. Maybe they didn't want it involved in this convoy. Regardless, they wouldn't rent to her any longer. And in her mind and in her supporters' mind, they were telling the leader of this country that they can't have a rental. Um, and she did what anybody who's upset with a company does nowadays. And she turned on her camera and she live streamed it. So let's watch a little bit of this. Okay. Hello everyone. So this is Queen Romana. And we have the owners of the managers of this Canada Dream RV uh, here in Montreal, who uh, is refusing to cooperate with the head of state and commander in chief of Canada, the Kingdom of Canada, who requires an RV to travel as part of her convoy. So this is this, and perhaps the next time I visit this facility is when I'm closing it down. I'm not quite sure they understand 
uh, that the head of state can do that and commander all of their uh, vehicles and this building as a commander-in-chief. Yeah, so uh, in the video, she says um, they're getting shut down. She claims she's going to come back and, as the leader of Canada, have that company shut down. I did Googling today, and it seems that the company still exists. And um, despite Ramona's uh, problems with them, it, it, it seems like they're all right at this point. Well, if she's the current leader of Queen of Canada, as she says she is, she should have, in the moment, already had the power to shut them down right then and there, right? Or mm, Yeah, well, I think... I don't know how her followers deal with her inability to make like decisions that affect the country. Um, but actually, I do know because uh, I'm going to play you another video and maybe this will help explain it is it's almost like for her followers, there's almost this mythology that she's the leader, but everybody doesn't realize it yet. And this kind of military f is going to be formed and is going to take the country back. So in this world that they believe that she is the queen of Canada, Justin Trudeau still exists, but he doesn't, he's not the leader of the country. And we, anyone who watches the news will see that, will know that last night or the day before last, Justin Trudeau um, announced like the Emergency Measures Act, which is like this new thing that will temporarily give the government these extra powers. Um, Ramona Digula uh, reacted to that by letting Canada know that that is not the case. I'm just going to I'm just going to play that short video where she reassures us that uh, this is all a misunderstanding. My fellow Canadians, I address you today as your head of state, commander in chief and queen of the kingdom of Canada. This message is to inform you that Justin Trudeau has zero authority to invoke War Measures Act or Emergency Powers. In the Kingdom of Canada, only the Queen has the full authority and power to invoke War Measures Act and Emergency Powers. Thank you and have a great evening. So in that video, you get a, a better look at the production where she's more set up as like a like a leader she has her flags behind her and things are kind of set up nice and she's dressed nice compared to her prior videos it comes across with a different production but she assures canadians that justin trudeau does not have the authority to enact that rule she is the only one as the queen of canada who can do that um she's she spoke a lot over the last few weeks about the convoy and she is uh, adamantly against it because she has declared that all mandates related to COVID have been lifted for some time now. So all of this stuff is in vain because Justin Trudeau and the current government isn't in power. She is, there's nothing to protest. She lifted the mandates. So that's, uh, that's kind of a part of their story, but she's trying to tell people, you know, go home. Justin Trudeau does not have the authority to say this. Um, and it creates a, a weird environment because it kind of puts her followers against the police and against, you know, everybody who in official capacity represents Canada in some way. Um, it's 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 a fascinating thing. It's it would be interesting if she was alone making these videos. But the fact that there are 70,000 plus people who follow her, donate money towards her initiatives um, and support her as she says this wild stuff, including statements about 
executing doctors who vaccinate children. I think that goes from weird to straight up scary. Yeah, I mean, I have to really, you know, commend her in the sense that she's gotten to a point where she's got, yeah, 70,000 people believing that she's the queen of Canada. Mm-hmm. I can't even convince myself that I'm the king of my own house. You know, like, <laughs> the cats alone. run the place? It's just me and the cat here, but I'm pretty sure he's the boss. I can't even get to that point mm-hmm. outside my own walls. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then now she's got some, you know, interesting flags in the background and looking more official. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really taking it up a notch now and really starting to make me believe she is the queen again. <laughs> Well, if she is the queen and she knows what's going on in any capacity, um, one of her more recent videos may concern you. I'm going to play the last update in related to Ramona, the queen of Canada, Digula. She actually, um, in the, when I saw this video, I was concerned. She declares World War III is happening. Listen to this. My fellow Canadians, I address you today as your Queen and Commander-in-Chief. We are on the eve of World War III. I ask that everyone come as one people and one nation and to work with the United States and all of our allies around the world. God help us and Godspeed. So that that concerns me because it's if if Justin Trudeau came on TV and said World War Three, we're on the eve of World War Three, you know, go to your families, prepare. I would be completely freaking out, horrified, probably trying to find some weapons to defend my family or something, not knowing what is going on. I'd be freaked out when I see her say we're on the eve of World War Three. I kind of chuckle. But again, getting back to the amount of followers and the passion her followers have, they like there's many of them that I'm certain believe, you know, something insane, like something wild is about to happen. That's a scary thought to me. Yeah. And it wouldn't be the first time that, you know, somebody, uh, you know, gains follower, followers, whether it's online or whatever, and convinces them, whether it's World War Three or whether, you know, it's an alien ship coming down to... Mm-hmm to take them to some kind of a promised land. So, you know, they drink a Kool-Aid and next thing you know, it's a disaster. You know, it's, this is, wouldn't be the first time this has happened. Yeah. Um, it's certainly in that same vein, right? Yeah, it is. Um, and again, the production value is, is up even another further notch in this world war three video. And so is her outfit. Mm-hmm. She's has a really nice, uh, code on it's much more serious it's much more you know uh, presidential mm-hmm. so uh, or, or I royal. have to s- regal royal regal um pretty pretty beagle i like it um, it's i don't know i'm i i've submitted <laughs> i'm a follower i don't, I don't know i <laughs> you got to get one of those purple flags uh 
I saw her followers. One thing I follow everything they do. Um, but one thing they do is they find anyone who's wearing purple. Their flags are purple, so anyone who's wearing purple or has a purple light or something will be a sign that they support and acknowledge her. So I saw her uh, her followers posting videos of Prince performing. <laughs> um, you know, during the Super Bowl, uh, right. he, he played uh, a couple years ago, and now, like the, the other night, was the Super Bowl, so that's been in the news. But her followers have been sharing videos of Prince doing his Super Bowl thing, believing that he was kind of tipping his hat to Ramona. And uh, during the Ottawa mm. protests, um, there's one video where her and her followers are walking around downtown Ottawa, and she has all this security around her, and it's almost like. Imagine again, imagine Justin Trudeau is like, I'm going to go out into the protest and just get a, get my eyes on what's happening out there. So she's walking through and she's just looking around at everything. And she there's all these people like dancing and playing music. And she tells one of her like security staff, like, get some photos. Get Actually, she says, take some screenshots of that. That's <laughs> what take she some tells screenshots. them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, she's like kind of walking around, scoping it out. But as she's going, one building has um, like a bed, like up say three stories up one of the rooms has like a purple light on and one of her followers is like look queen look and they look up and they assume that it's someone supporting her right Fine. and they're you know they're, it's just they're, some they're, some guy getting stoned turning on the tv Floyd. and there's a los angeles lakers basketball game on and they're like <laughs> we did it we've reached america <laughs> yeah um i think like let's keep the the queen of canada we'll keep following that story and see how it develops oh yeah it, it's, it's, it's certainly weird for sure yeah all right so, it's about as weird as it gets yeah for sure absolutely and um so i'm going to wrap this up but i teased this at the beginning of the episode is uh i'm going to try as we go to use the show also to feature people in the country that are doing unique things be it a unique business an artist or entertainer that has carved a strange niche um, a musician who has an album coming out that's very cool and unusual that people should know about. So that's kind of something that I'm thinking in the future will evolve. So we're going to dip our feet into that idea tonight. I'm going to end the episode by um, airing an interview I did just a couple days back with uh, Alexandria Massey. I, I talked about her at the beginning as she is a Halifax-based, but originally from Ontario, I believe, uh, textile artist and she has recently gone viral is I guess what kids would say she hasn't like an Instagram and a TikTok and all this stuff where she shows off the odd creations she makes uh, with you know I don't know knitting I guess she'll explain it in the interview but um, I, I stumbled upon her work at an art gallery in downtown Halifax it was amazing, and I wanted to have her on the show to share her work and her story and some photos of the stuff that uh, she has made. So I'm going to go out by airing the interview with Alexandria Massey. Um, she will, at the end of it, she'll give her links for where you can find her, but I definitely recommend checking out the neat stuff that she made. So we'll wrap up the episode and get to the interview with Alexandria. Aaron, you want to try to go out on a slogan? Yeah, let's uh, try our um, simultaneous slogan off here. One, three, three, three two, two, one. Long live the queen. Ram Ranch. <laughs> it's 
start with this. Why don't you tell me like who you are, what your background is, and how you ended up becoming, I guess, uh, going viral with knitted hats, which seems like a unique way to do it in the year 2022. Yeah, so uh, originally over the pandemic, I just started crocheting and knitting a lot of things in my spare time, and it kind of led me to create headpieces. So for some background, I'm a textile artist, and I currently go to NASCAD University for textiles and fashion. And this is my final semester, so I get to graduate soon, which is so exciting. But awesome. uh, yeah, so I just started making those off the side. And, and I'm a layman. Textile, like an artist who does textiles, that just means you work with like fabrics? Is that what that Yeah, fabric, fiber, anything soft. I like to consider myself a sculptor because I sculpt things out of textiles. Mm -hmm. And I work in 3D a lot of the times. But in the end, I like, I'm definitely a textile artist. Yeah. And speaking of like working in the 3D space with textiles, I was at one of your exhibits or your exhibit this weekend where um, a lot was interesting about it. Most of all, the most interesting part of it was was the piece you had designed, which was the way I would describe it again as a layman is like a, I don't know, like a 20 foot long centipede thing made out of yarn uh that i'll tell you my nine and four-year-old absolutely loved it uh what, what was that piece how did that come about i love working with soft sculpture and creating like sculptural pieces that are specifically for gallery spaces mm -hmm. and i started in october and my idea was to just keep crocheting as much as i possibly could and make a super long centipede and so its final length is it's about 13 meters but I haven't been able to like stretch it over a space because it's just so large. And yeah, it's curled up in a, a ball in the corner of my room right now. I, I saw you did like yeah. a kind of like a photo shoot where you had it draped over your car. It looked like a really cool sci-fi movie for children. Yeah. So what do you get with something like that? We'll, we'll get into kind of your head scarves or your head pieces mm -hmm. and stuff. But with the centipede, what is other than just make it to display it at a, at a gallery? What what would you do with something like that? What but my original with? idea was to have it for that gallery space, just as like um, a, a piece of art, just to interact with. And if it was, I would, if the pandemic didn't exist, I would love people to like touch it and play with it and stuff. But you know, you just can't have that uh, currently, which is all right. We make do. But um, when I made it, I originally was thinking like. I was like, this is just going to be a really, really, really long body pillow. Um, and it's just really fun to lay in. And it's really fun to just throw around because it's just like absolutely like ridiculously absurdly long. And it's just such fun, colorful colors. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. No, I, th I think what you're most well known for on online anyway, with this, like this whole viral thing is um, making like really ornate uh, knitted hats is, is how I describe them, but even calling them hats is, is understating <laughs> it. They're more like helmets slash costumes, um, that take up a lot of like that cover your face or have ears or like, kind of tell me a bit about what you make for people's heads with knitted yarn. Is that the right word? Yeah, I've been calling them headpieces just because there's just it's it kind of just it's a general descriptor for something that's on your head. And, you know, it's hard to put it in a specific category because I'm kind of like I'm making really strange things now that are like um, I got a lot of people saying like, but would you actually wear this outside? And it's like, oh, that's not the point. Like you can just make something cool because you want to make something cool. But 
I make them out of yarn and I crochet. So it's like, it is like a knitted headpiece. And I'm usually like adding sculptural elements. And like I made the bunny one where I had like really big bunny ears. And then I had the teapot one, which was like, had this ridiculous spout and a really funny handle. And yeah, I have I have a, quite a few more that I'm going to post um, that I've been working on for my thesis. And I'm like really excited to share, but like, oh man, some of them are, are getting so ridiculous where I'm just like, it, you can't even, <laughs> you, can't, you can't even like turn around while wearing it because you're gonna hit something because they stick out so far. Yeah, and that's the thing I wanna ask you about is uh, as, as some, I'm not an artist and what I make is, is very functional is, uh, maybe any creative power or creative ability I use goes into making a podcast that someone puts in their ears when they're walking to work or going to the grocery store. What what you do um, is so different where it, it kind of blurs the line between like a wearable kind of piece of clothing and just like a piece of art to be admired. W when you're working on these things and coming up with the ideas and putting this together, does your mind go towards like, how would I you know make a living making this? Or are you simply making it because you can and it's cool like do you consider kind of the the ability to like monetize your art or is that i have um i like you know it's it's when you ask different artists what they think of that you get completely different responses for like me i've been very grateful to have like um an education uh post-secondary art education and that's allowed me to look at things in a in a more non-monetizable way like when I originally started creating things um these headpieces specifically I was just like this is really cool um I really want to make this because I think it would be cool <laughs> and it wasn't any more complicated than that and then I had people reaching out to me being like hey could you make it in these colors or hey could you maybe make something like this for me and then it just kind of like kept building out from there and now I'll get to kind of the dark side of it is there there may there's people like you who um, have like a genuine and sincere passion for what you're doing and you're creating art to make beautiful and interesting things. There are people who will find your things and prey on you through, you know, trademark infringement or whatnot. And I, I've seen you posting um, on Instagram that you're finding some of your designs on Etsy. Uh, and, and that doesn't seem to be rare. I see that pretty often designers or artists finding their work on for sale on Etsy. Can you tell me a bit about how that affects an artist and how you even find out that someone's taking, you know, what you've made and selling it? Yeah, I originally found out about it was I got a few comments saying like, hey, I found you on Etsy. I was going to go buy one. And I was like, oh, really? Like, I don't have an Etsy. I don't sell on Etsy. And um, this was actually like back in December, um, like the beginning of December, I went and I checked it out and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> someone like copied one of my designs, like literally stitch for stitch. And I was oh. just like, whoa, at first I was like, it was really creepy to see someone else like replicate what I did because it's like, you put so much effort into analyzing my piece and copying it exactly. In my head, I was like, why would you put so much effort into copying a piece directly when you can put that effort into like designing something unique? But, um, you know, like a lot of people will just do that because they're like, oh, that's a great idea. Why would I come up with my own idea when there's already one out there? seems like Etsy and sites like that seem to kind of um, provide a market for that, though, because like I said, I've heard of multiple yep. <laughs> people uh, 
at complaining publicly that their you know their drawing is appearing on a t-shirt or something on etsy uh, you would run in a circle where you're, you're connected to lots of artists i'm sure is that something that comes up a lot uh, like very often for fellow artists uh, oh a ton it's uh it's really unfortunate because you know etsy has always like i've always seen them pride themselves on being a place for small artists small businesses mm -hmm. small creators and you know and giving attention to like small artists businesses and creators and it's kind of frustrating like as a small artist to mm -hmm. like have etsy um repeatedly be like we can't do anything sorry like mm -hmm. um and it's pretty like well known that it's really difficult to copyright fashion mm -hmm. and copyright art because it's like so subjective mm -hmm. and um also, <laughs> I go to school full time. Like that's just like not. <laughs> and now, for people who are who are listening, where, where do they and want to see more of what you made? Where do they find you? I have a website. It's just alexandriamassey.com. I'm sure if you Google my name, you could find me. Um, I update my Instagram most often. So, uh, if you want to see what I'm working on currently and projects and stuff, definitely Instagram is alexandria.massey, and. Yeah, that's pretty much all the social media I use right now. You can also find me on TikTok and Twitter. I pretty much have everything, but Instagram is kind of the main hub for a lot of artists because it's a nice, like, clean gallery space. Uh, but I, I thank you for coming on and sharing your uh, unique and very wearable art with us. So thank you, Alexandria. Thank you so much for having me. I want to thank you for joining Aaron and I for our Keep Canada Weird discussion. But before we part, I have some thanks. First, a big thanks to Aaron for sharing an evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. I'd like to also thank Alexandria Massey for sharing her art with us. But the most important thanks goes out to everyone who listens to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, the show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping this show alive is and it has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, please listen on the premium feed. Not only does it make the show possible, it gives you more of each topic than you'll find here on the free feed as I'm adding exclusive content regularly. For about the price of a cup of coffee, you can help the show out and give yourself more of it at patreon.com slash nighttimepodcast. Now, on the topic of the premium feed, let me thank the newest subscribers. Melissa, Leela, Kay, and Kelly thank you for going premium. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't do it via a premium feed subscription, you can give me a big hand by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If you have any story ideas, if you want to give feedback on the show, or contribute a voice memo, you can do that at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. Now until next time, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte. Beautiful, serene, majestic, the true north, strong and weird. Weird.